So what is the importance of Easter? Think about it. Why do Christians celebrate Easter? Many of us believe in Easter, but why is it important for me? Why is it important for you? You can say, yeah, I believe in the resurrection. I believe in God. I believe in the resurrection. But Jesus, where were you when my mom died? Yes, I believe in the resurrection after we die. Where were you when my brother died? Where were you? Yes, Jesus, I know. I know I believe in the resurrection. I believe I'll see them later, yes. But Jesus, where were you when I was going through suffering? In John chapter 11, we see a similar response, which is fascinating, that this response happens less than one week of Jesus dying on the cross. That same response of Jesus, where were you? And it's talking about a situation that occurred where Jesus resurrected someone. And someone was saying, yeah, yeah, I know Jesus, but where were you? Where were you? This wouldn't have happened if you were only here. So in John chapter 11, it talks about Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Mary, Martha, and Lazarus was some of Jesus's closest friends. If anything, they were a home away from Jesus's home. They were like a second or third family of Jesus. Really good friends, best friends, okay? And just like any of our best friends that we have, if something is happening to our best friend, we would easily drop everything and attend our best friend's need, right? In verse 3 of chapter 11, a runner that was sent told Jesus, the one you love, Jesus, is sick. Let's stop there. The one that Jesus loves, his best friend. Jesus, your best friend, that one is sick. Your best friend. Come and help your best friend, the one you love. But it's really bizarre what happens because we know the story, right? Jesus doesn't move. Jesus, your best friend is sick and is dying. And Jesus goes, uh-huh, okay. And goes back to whatever he was doing. If he was washing dishes, he went back to washing dishes. If he was out playing football in the field, he went back to playing football in the field. And he waited two days. He waited two days in order to go to Lazarus, the one who Jesus loves. And so by the time Jesus gets there, Lazarus is already dead. And Martha comes out. And Martha goes, Jesus, where were you? Where were you, Jesus? If you only were here, my little brother Lazarus would still be alive. And Jesus responds, yeah, but your brother will rise again. He will rise again. And Martha goes, yeah, yeah, I know. I know the resurrection, Jesus. I know. I know he will raise again. But where were you in the suffering? Where were you? And Jesus' response is, Martha, like, don't you get it? Martha, don't you get it? I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe it, Martha? Do you believe that? And Martha responds, yeah, yeah, I know. I know there's a resurrection. I know after death there is life, Jesus, I know. Yeah, 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 I, I know. I get it. 
But where were you, Jesus, if you were only here on time? Later, they're walking over to the tomb. Mary runs out and falls at Jesus' feet. And the same thing, Mary says, Jesus, if you were only here, my brother wouldn't have died. If you were only here, the one you love would still be alive. Where were you? And it says Jesus was deeply moved. And Jesus wept, screaming probably, crying out in sorrow. When Jesus was weeping, Lazarus' friends that knew the whole situation, that knew Jesus waited for two days, Lazarus' friends said, see, Jesus does love Lazarus. I think so. Look, look how he weeps. Look how Jesus is weeping. Surely he loved Lazarus. And then get this. Some of them responded like this. But if Jesus truly loved Lazarus, then where was he? If Jesus truly loved Lazarus, then where was he? Where were you, Jesus? We see that question asked three times. Jesus, where were you? From Martha. Jesus, where were you? From Mary. Jesus, where were you? From the crowd. And the crowd takes it a step further and says, Jesus, are you truly someone that loves? Are you truly someone that loves? Because if you did, you would have been here. In English, we, we have the language deeply moved, sorrow or grief. In the original language, it's saying that Jesus was in anguish. He was upset. He was agitated. He was in rage. He may be saddened that Lazarus was dead, but he was actually outraged in anger because of his death. He was outraged seeing people suffering, crying, and Jesus saw the destruction of death and people suffering, and he was outraged because he saw his creation suffering, a creation that was never intended to suffer from the very beginning. He was angry to see that his creation was broken and had to feel suffering because those people who Jesus loves was never created to suffer to begin with. The original intention of humanity was never meant for sickness, suffering, or death. And so Jesus was angry, outraged at death, at suffering, that he wept with anguish, with sorrow. He wept with them there that day. He wept with Martha. He wept with Mary. He wept with Lazarus' closest friends at the tomb. And then we know what happens afterwards. Jesus gives the order. Lazarus, come out. <laughs> like, no big deal. Jesus gives us a physical example of the resurrection, which is just a small glimpse of what will happen to our souls. Because Lazarus comes up and he raises from the dead. But where's Lazarus now? That body that rose, where is he? It's dead. Who knows where that body is? So Lazarus being raised that day was just a small glimpse what the spiritual resurrection would look like. But let's back up to a, a, pretty, a pretty awkward part of this whole story before this all took place. In verse 7, Jesus wants to go to go see Lazarus. And the disciples say, darkness is coming. Which means, you might die, Jesus, because some people are out to kill you. Darkness is coming. The day is ending. You sure you want to go back? 
And Jesus' response is just phenomenal. He says, my time of darkness is not yet here. I'm okay. And it's fascinating because that darkness that Jesus was talking about, he was referring to his death on the cross. That's the darkness he was talking about, which was six days from that moment. In six days, he knew that he would hang on the cross and die. So he's saying, my time of darkness is not yet here. Fast forward six days to when he's on the cross. Jesus is hanging on the cross. And in Mark chapter 15, it says that darkness comes over the whole earth as Jesus hangs there on the cross. And this is, this is what absolutely fascinates me. When Jesus is hanging on the cross in the darkness, physical darkness, the last moments he has on the cross, he utters these words. Before you die, and those movies, those action movies, a lot of times before they pull the trigger to kill you, they say any last words because your very last words should be significant to your entire life. If you're about to die, you want to have some kind of statement. Jesus' last words is Eli, Eli, lema sabechtani, which means God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why did he say that? Because in those days, they didn't say turn to Psalms 1 and everyone would turn to Psalms 1. Turn to Psalms 5, turn to Psalms 5. What they did was, they said the title of the Psalms, okay? So when Jesus hung there on the cross and it's his very last words, he uttered the title of a Psalms. Eli, Eli, lema sabechthani, which is the title of Psalms 22. Psalms 22, let's go there. When Jesus is hanging on the cross, he yells Psalms 22. The Psalms that Jesus was quoting was written 1,000 years before Jesus even hung on that cross. When David wrote Psalm 22, no one at that time understood what it meant. It was just so beyond. It didn't make any sense. But at that moment when Jesus was hanging on that cross and said, Psalms 22, Eli Eli, Lamasabechthani, when he was hanging there on that cross, he's going, read Psalms 22, it will make sense. His very last words was trying to tell people about his love, what he's really doing. In Psalms 22, verse 12, 13, talks about a bulls encircling. In Hebrew, it translates to bulls enthroning, crowning. Jesus was crowned with a crown of thorns, right? Verse 15, Psalms 22, it says, the mouth is dry. Jesus' mouth was dry that they, they had to give him something to drink when he wanted to talk. Verse 17 of Psalms 22, it says, stare and gloat. When you hang on that cross, people stare. The reason why Rome wanted to crucify people is so that they could make a display of what happens. They put Jesus up on display for people to stare at and gloat. Psalms 22, verse 18, they divided my garments and cast lots. Which exactly happened with Jesus' clothes? Psalms 22, verse 16, pierce my hands and feet. This is where it gets absolutely mind-boggling because this psalm was written 1,000 years before Jesus hung on the cross. David wrote about the crucifixion 500 years before the crucifixion was even invented. When David was writing about a crucifixion in Psalms 22, pierce the hands and pierce the feet, the crucifixion was not even invented. Is that wild? Like when David wrote this psalm, 
and handed it out for people to see. Or when David wrote this psalm and people read it, they were probably so confused what David was talking about. Pierced hands, pierced feet, what is David talking about? But a thousand years later, when Jesus was hanging on the cross, it made sense. And then the last words of Jesus is, it is finished, which is the last words found in Psalms 22. It is done. It is finished. The very last moments of Jesus on the cross is going, read this psalm. Look what I have done for you. And I bet you when he yelled that out to the people there, everyone there kind of just had their jaw drop. They looked around and they saw the garments passed on by casting a lot. They saw his dry mouth. They saw his pierced hands and pierced feet. They saw the crown on his head. It was all making sense now. They've murdered the Messiah. The Messiah is now dead. It is finished, he says. And isn't it funny that Jesus says, my time of darkness is not yet here. As he is going towards a town that will ridicule him, he's thinking, I'm going to die on that cross, be tortured. My flesh is going to be shredded off my bones. I will be hanging on that cross in six days. But today, I'm going to go to that town. And they're going to say, where were you, Jesus? Where were you? My brother wouldn't have died. Jesus, where were you? If you truly loved him, Jesus, then you would have saved him. The truth was, Lazarus was dead the moment the messenger got there. Because by the time Jesus got there, Lazarus has been dead for four days. Jesus waited two days. It took at least one day for the messenger to get there. It took another day for Jesus to get there. So that meant Jesus already knew that Lazarus was either dead or was going to die in a few minutes. But when they said, Jesus, where were you? Don't you love him? Didn't you love him, Jesus? Where were you in the suffering? Jesus doesn't explain what happens. He doesn't explain and try to say, oh, he was already dead. <laughs> like, he's already dead. It's not my fault. He doesn't. And he allows them to question him. Jesus, where were you? Jesus, where were you? Jesus, where were you? Three times. If you loved Jesus, then why? Many of us have that same question. Yes, we believe in Easter. Yes, we believe in the resurrection. But Jesus, where were you in the moment of my suffering in my life? Yes, we're going to celebrate Easter in two weeks. But Jesus, where were you? If you truly love me, then why? Where were you, Jesus? I bet you, if Jesus was here and you asked him that question, I bet you his response was, I was on that cross thinking about your suffering. I was on that cross thinking about the destruction of death, the destruction of sin. Where was I when you were suffering? I was on that cross thinking about you. That's where I was. Where was I? I was on that cross showing the greatest expression of love. Jesus, do you truly love me? Yes. And I proved it, dying on that cross to give you back perfection, to give you back eternal life of no death, no sickness, no illness. Where were you when I was suffering, Jesus? I was on that cross suffering more than you could ever imagine so that I can give you life now. 
and life abundance now more than you could ever imagine. That's where I was. And what does Easter have to do with me? The Easter celebration is everything to do about you and generations to come. It's everything to do about humanity because it is Jesus putting back a broken creation to perfection. He wailed and wept with anguish when he saw creation suffering and dying. It has everything to do with us because he fixed the brokenness so we will have eternal life without sickness, without death. This is everything. Easter is everything. Everything. Jesus putting back the broken pieces, bringing us back to our original design of perfection with the Father, allowing us to live with unity with the Father now, giving you life, joy, peace, harmony, unity, love. It can go on and on and on. Father, we love you. We thank you for this act of love that you knew when you were on that cross, you knew that millions of people would ridicule you, would say things like, Jesus, if you truly existed, then this wouldn't happen. Jesus, you knew when you were on that cross our names, our sufferings. And Father God, I pray that we understand more and more of that love you have for us, that love that changes things, that changes lives. We thank you that you weep with us in our suffering, that we can go to you as our Father. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.